Ted, what? I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That's sci-fi love and black hands glove. We'll rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's Everybody, I'm Chad W. Bokelman Esquire. Oi, I'm Mark Marble. <laughs> and we're Lantern Cast! Sillions! <laughs> Episode 416. That's right. What could we possibly be talking about tonight? Well, we're actually going to have probably two topics, but we know one, one is especially geared for you, Chad, so why don't you tell everybody what it is? That's right. Uh, a film decades in the making. Uh, we are finally, finally getting around to talking about Bill and Ted Face the Music. This is the third part of the trilogy of Bill and Ted movies that started way back in the 80s with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, then led into Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, a bunch of comic books and so on and so forth later, and then finally in 2020 we have Bill and Ted face the music. Um, was it was it my number one on the list of things I was looking forward to in 2020? I'm pretty sure it was. I don't see how it possibly couldn't have been. <laughs> Yeah, it was probably 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 number one. Uh, but yeah, I I, I uh, it is out. It has been out for a while now. Clearly, I'm going to have a lots of stuff to say about it. So we're going to have to start off with you, man. Let's. Uh, you finally watched it actually for the first time last night, right? Yes, 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 I did. Did we really think I should be the one starting first? Because I mean, this is in this is in your wheelhouse. So based on our different experiences with this franchise, I mean, at the end of the day. It all depends. It all depends from your perspective. I mean, we're not. I don't think we're gonna. Obviously, we're not gonna see 100% eye to eye on all this stuff. We, you know, so the odds. Are, so it depends. If you want me to go first, I don't have a problem. But I mean, well, I, just, I mean, like, well, what do you want to start? We want to talk to the people about what actually happens in the film. Do we want to talk about characters? Do we want to talk about like how, how do we want to do it? Yeah, I want to. I guess one. I guess the most sim, simple way is just to describe what happens in the movie. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it is uh, obviously uh, takes place in 2020. Uh, everything that happened in Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey has happened. Obviously, by the way, guys, spoilers. If you didn't already know, we're talking about a movie. Uh, it's a review episode. It's there's going to be spoilers. But just in case you haven't ever seen it. <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey have happened. I'm not going to summarize those films, but including even the the uh, credits as the credits ran in Bogus Journey, all that stuff happened too. Um, at the end of Bogus Journey, at the Battle of the Bands, 
the band has come back from, I think, a, I believe it was a six-month span of being taught by Eddie Van Halen how to play guitar. Uh, and they play a song at the Battle of the Bands. Uh, and when Battle of the Bands, they become popular. They go on tour. They eventually play the Grand Canyon. But eventually, the band splits up. And that is that is mentioned in the post-credits, uh, in the credits roll of Bogus Journey. Uh, but uh, it is 2020, and the band still has – Wild Stallions has had some success, but has had a lot of lows. But they've still not written the song that's supposed to unite the world and unite the cosmos and bring everything into universal harmony. So they're a bunch of middle-aged dudes. They have teenage daughters, and uh, they are playing the, – the movie opens up with them playing at the wedding of Missy, which is funny because Missy is one of the characters. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into all the every little detail here and there, but if, if you've seen Bill and Ted, you, you know who Missy is. Uh, and they, they're going to debut the song that they're going to dance to. Uh, not a great song. They get chastised by their dad. But they go back. Uh, they they, they uh, go back home. Their wives want to – have some couples therapy. So they go into couples therapy and their wives say, you guys have been kind of banging your heads against the wall for 25 years. It's, it's kind of enough and is enough. We have a family now. Like what, what are we going to do? So they go back home to commiserate. And that's when Rufus's daughter, Kelly shows up from the future and brings the guys into the future because the great ones of the future are saying, Hey, uh, you guys need to write the song. Oh, by the way, it needs to happen now, right now. We need you to write the song. So they've been trying to write it for 25 years. They don't know what they need to do. So they decide, or Ted Ted comes up with a brilliant idea. Why don't we just go to the future where we've already written the song and take it from ourselves? <laughs> so they go into the future on a quest to find the song. And throughout uh, the whole movie, you have two you have two different bylines the guys trying to find the song and interacting with themselves at various points in the future and the girls their daughters going around the past and collecting a bunch of individual musicians to become the supporting members of the band to help play the song and at the end of it all they come together as the universe as the cosmic turntable is collapsing and it is time for them to finally play the song at this exact moment this exact second and they got the whole band together and the prophecy was that the band of Preston and Logan would be the ones to unite the world and unite the cosmos well it's not Bill and Ted it's their daughters and they put the whole thing together they all come together they play the song all the uh, the entire universe plays the song together because they distribute you know kind of the beats per minute and all this all these mus uh, musical instruments across time and space uh, using the booth uh, and uh, everybody across all of time and space that is all collapsing together at this one moment plays this one song together uh, it kind of resets the vibrational balance of the universe and everybody's you know good again um, that's that's as high level as I can get it without you know diving into all the stuff that makes Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted, the little moments and the characters that they're shown up here and there. But that's, that's sort of the, that's sort of the plot of the film. I think that was a good job of summing up the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what did you think of the, what did you, what did you think of the movie overall then? It was, in, it was entertaining. I don't, I it, I'm trying to phrase it the best way. It wasn't, I didn't think it was that, humorous there were there were bits and pieces that were funny in it obviously i don't have the ties to the franchise and that's where the difference perspective comes in 
but I so it didn't do so there are other things that might have been funny you know if I had more of a deep rooted interest in in experiences in the, had had those experiences with the franchise it I mean I don't know it was it's so I mean in a way it's such a rehash in many ways of especially the first one uh, and it it is a it is still a, appropriately in for 2020 and not just because of how crappy a year it's been just because of where we are in society that of course you have to have a, a little reworking of oh see it's not really Bill and Ted that we're really supposed to save save the universe it's their daughters that just seems awfully 2020 <laughs> to to kind of to do that to do that kind of retcon um Obviously, at the end of the day, if uh, Keanu and Alex Winter are okay with that kind of changing of the of their destinies and what their destiny seemingly was supposed to be, that the two people, the two characters, if they're okay with it, then I guess for the most part, everybody else has to roll with it, no matter what. But I mean, I thought the, the daughters were okay. I didn't think the daughters were particularly anything special as ca- as, as characters. It was I don't know. It was obviously the different versions of Bill and Ted that. The, that the current continuity Bill and Ted interact with probably was the highlight of the of the movie overall. The different versions they encounter and al- along the way, but it's I don't know. It definitely you definitely miss George Carlin regardless of the cameo. Uh, mm. That that you can't really do anything about that. When there's only so much you can do, and you know when actors die. I mean that's the reality. Maybe, but I don't know. I I I thought it was okay. I don't know if that if. How satisfying a conclusion that really is if you are real fans of Bill and Ted as characters, not just the story. I don't know if you feel if you think how you maybe overall people would feel if this how satisfying a conclusion to their arc, especially considering how how much of their life pretty much was went into the crapper from the end of the like you said, from the end of the last movie, the credits through this movie and all the time, obviously the huge chunk of time that has taken place between the last movie and this movie, that their lives had pretty much been shitty. And, you know, pretty much swimming upstream and trying to accomplish what they were told they were meant to accomplish and they had never had before yet. I don't know. So on that level, I do, I, I did think about that, whether, kind of, kind of much like Star Wars, whether you, when you look at where they did, what they, what they did to Luke in the sequel trilogy, since that's so completely different than what probably almost 90% of people or more thought, you know, where Luke's destiny would have taken him post return of the jedi those were my those were my those were my initial thoughts on it yeah so i mean like was it a satisfying conclusion Uh, yes and no i feel like i feel like yes it was in in as much as it could have been you know there's there's not there's not a a version of this movie that could have come out that could have just checked every box and been the the perfect the perfect film uh, I mean you know it's first of all it's, it's hard to make a perfect film in general let alone something that's the third part of a of a trilogy of movies and make that just like the best movie that does everything for every fan across all time but like so I'm I'm a big fan of and this is gonna sound cheesy or whatever but I'm a big fan of of music and what music can do for people uh you know the uh, emotions that it can elicit out of people the the feelings that it can bring up the the sort of magical properties of music uh, like I, I i am i am convinced that if there is such a thing as magic in this world uh it's and this is where i'm gonna get cheesy it's it's two things it's it's true it's it's love and it's music um and you know, you see, and, and you know, just as an example, 
you know, those those things, those times where you see like musicians who are, uh, you know, really riddled with uh, dealing with Alzheimer's in the late stages of their lives. And they're in an old folks home, but somebody puts a piano in front of them and all of a sudden, you know, all this this person who just looked completely out of touch and, you know, slack jawed sitting in their their chair at the old folks home. Suddenly their fingers start flying across the keyboard and, you know, they you know, the part muscle memory and there's this this you know liveliness to them that you like you you never would have thought is still in there um things like that the 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 things that music can elicit that's why i really like movies like you know like coco or august rush or you know various documentaries about music or musicians and things like that and i think that that face the music does that uh, in in its own way too is because at the end of the movie it, it, the the song wasn't important it was the fact that the entire universe was playing it together um uh you know it, it was a good song you know it, uh more of a musical movement i guess than than a, than actual uh, lyrics or anything like that but um i thought i thought that was a cool kind of way to way to go about it now making it the daughters you know i didn't really have a problem with it it was still very much a bill and ted story um the bill and ted characters acted like bill and ted normally do um ted has always been the sort of pessimistic one who has to make the make the the, the duo kind of consider the harsh realities or whatever of or the possibility of things going south but ultimately things always seem to work out for them and and that continues that continues here uh but i mean i just i i really enjoyed it yeah it's definitely a lot of excellent adventure in terms of what the girls are doing in recruiting a band and you know what better way to you know they're like oh man they're gonna go get a band like who are they gonna get and the first person they stumble across is Jimi hendrix you're like oh shit this is gonna be a this is gonna be a band all right we're gonna get hendrix on guitar to start things off holy shit uh you know they go get louis armstrong and mozart and, and all this stuff it's, it's insane um so the girl's journey is definitely uh, excellent adventure whereas the guys is more bogus journey um they didn't go to the future in any of that real stuff other than the fact that they went to the far future where rufus is from um but in bogus journey you know there was more rufus's timeline stuff with the the, the evil denomalous and and their good robotuses and stuff like that and they went to heaven but they also went to hell so it's like it's like the girl's journey is excellent adventure the guy's journey is bogus journey and, and but they're both happening simultaneously in face the music and it all kind of comes together and culminates into that moment and i like i like that I like that it's sort of built around their relationship with their wives. I I always thought the girls, uh, the 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 beautiful babes from England, didn't really <laughs> have have much of a role in the films. I mean, they were there obviously, but it was just like, hey, it's those hot chicks that you know we stumbled across in old medieval England, and they happened to come back and marry us and live with us. Like that's really all they were there. I think uh, keyboardist and drummer uh, were their roles in the band, which is interesting that they didn't really feel like a part of the band. It, it, it now, in this movie, it makes sense, though, because, you know, the guys have been doing this for 25 years. It makes sense that they I guess the girls decided to go out and get real, you know, quote unquote, real jobs to support the family. Um, they were they were thrown into the band kind of haphazard. But then again, at the end of Bogus Journey, when they went to the future to learn from Eddie Van Halen, the girls went with them. 
And that's where they came back with their daughters. So, like, the girls spent just as much time learning about music as the guys did. So, I that if, if I could fault face the music for anything, it's the fact that the the girl's role in the film was more husband-wife as opposed to husband and wife. And also, we're invested in this future of your band, too, because we're a part of the band. Because, like, you know, they go, they go to hell and they confront Death, who they kicked out of the band for... We're just doing, like, 40-minute bass solos. <laughs> So. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> uh, things like that. And he's like, I was wild stallions, <laughs> you know, things like that. But like, you know, there at no point in the in that was it was it ever really mentioned in that film that the girls are were also part of wild stallions because it was death on bass. It was Bill and Ted as the c- guitars and frontmen. It was I think Joanna on keyboards uh, and the other on drums. I might have had those mixed ups. And it was uh, uh, the good robot uses were the kind of dance crew and station. I forgot what station did. Might have been electrical. Could have been something else. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I thought there were a lot of great references, a lot of good time travel stuff. And, you know, I, I like this. I just kind of like where things went in the film. Um, it, I think to me, it, it mattered more that this felt like a Bill and Ted film than it was a perfect, than it had to be a perfect ending. Like the first thing it had to do was it had to, above all else, this film had to feel like a Bill and Ted film. And then it had to have a good ending. And I feel like it did that in that order. I would agree with that assessment. I think if you're looking at it realistically, I would say that it succeeds more as a Bill and Ted film than it does as a conclusion to the story. The question is, again, objectively, concerning how long it's been and the fact that realistically, based on the way, it'd be different if they went into this movie not planning, you know, they just wanted to do another Bill and Ted movie, but they did not necessarily want to wrap everything up, which would be borderline unsatisfying for, for people too. It's almost like they had to do both at this point, considering how long it's been since they did one of these movies, that the odds are this is the last shot you're going to have at this, that you have pretty much had to accomplish. So on this level, in a weird analogy, it's kind of like what Episode Nine had to be, that you weren't just trying to end wrap up a, scene, a relatively lackluster trilogy, but yet you also had the extra burden that this was a wrapping up a nine-movie cycle. And you knew going in it was it had to do both based on all, all the what, pe- what the expectations were. So this movie had to set, had to wrap up, had to be a Bill and Ted movie, but it also, by proxy, pretty, had to, based on expectation, wrap up what their destinies were. You know, from the, their journey that started in in Journey uh, had had to end in uh, face to, face the music. And yeah, I think I, th- I think it's it would be interesting to know from a looking at it from the average film goer versus the diehard Bill and Ted fans to see if how how different their view on it would be as far as how satisfying it is as an ending to the story compared to where the story began and where you expected it to go and how you are you to the, I, I that things like that interest me but it, it was it was entertaining i might actually after we finish up tonight i might actually watch it again since i have another 24 hours on my rental so i can watch it again <laughs> So. Well, I mean, and and for the people listeners out there, yeah, I, I'm I'm a pretty diehard Bill and Ted fan. I've I've got the comics. Uh, you know, uh, there were a bunch of comics published in the late '80s, mostly '90s, um, that came out. Uh, Boom Studios did a collection of them uh, in in this hardcover archive edition. I got that. I got the uh, Bill and Ted's Triumphant Journey, Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Uh, I got 
uh, currently being published actually right now, I think from Dark Horse, is Bill and Ted are Doom, which is a prequel comic to Bill and Ted Face the Music. I've got the Bill and Ted in, uh, Incendium uh, Company uh, enamel pens. I've got the only two... Uh, Pops, Pop Vinyl, Funko Pops that they ever did of Bill and Ted, which is one of Bill and one of Ted. Uh, they never did any more. They never did like a pop ride with a booth and Rufus. They never did, uh, you know, any of the other characters. It was just Bill and Ted. I've got both of them. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I've got the, the, the anniversary steel book of, of both Excellent Adventure and uh, Bogus Journey. Uh, I don't have the Blu-ray of Face the Music yet, although it just came out. So, you know, clearly I'll be getting that pretty soon. Um, I, I really, I really love Bill and Ted. Um, and I do. I think this was like the perfect conclusion to the franchise. No, um, but again, that wasn't the f- first most utmost uh, important thing. This had to feel like it fit with the other movies, and it to me it did. Uh, so that's what matters most to me. You know, there were some interesting choices and some some of the things that were done. You know, there's always got to be like a goofy, weird character in there that Dennis. God, <laughs> Dennis, he, was, uh, he was annoying. Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> he was annoying. <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, there's 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 just got to be um, there's got to be a lesson to be learned. Uh, and you know, a part of me wonders if this is not aimed at the people who kind of grew up with Bill and Ted because. That's the generation where, you know, uh, they, you know, it's, it's been cropping all, all, up a lot lately and you'll see it in like memes and stuff. But the generation of kids who were like told that they were special, um, you know, that they were, you know, going to do this, that and the other, you know, they were advanced placement or whatever. But now they just, you know, have regular jobs and feel anxious and feel like they were destined for more and they should have done more with their lives by now and they're really stressed that they haven't done more with their lives by now and things like that that's that's you know i don't know what the like the psychological phenomenon is called but it really is something that is in existence there's a whole generation of people around my age who have this anxiety that's specifically rooted in uh in this feeling like they didn't accomplish what they were supposed to uh, or what the world expected of them in some way, shape, or form. Now, there's obviously everybody of every generation has anxiety of A, B, C, or D. It's just a matter of you know what is it rooted in and things like that. But there's 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 a higher percentage of people my age who just kind of feel like you know I I, I feel like I haven't done enough with my life. I haven't accomplished enough. And these are usually the people who were told that they you know were special in some way, shape, or form, and they had they had more to offer than the average kid or something like that. And that's something that's something that makes me think about this Bill and Ted movie. It's just like these kids who were told when they were in high school that what they were going to do would change the entire world in the future <laughs> and bring universal harmony uh, to to the cosmos and things like it. It doesn't get much better, much bigger in terms of destiny than that. Uh, but now it's 25 years later and they still haven't done it. And they're, you know, middle-aged parents in the suburbs and, uh, you know, their, their kids are about to leave home and, and, you know, oh, actually their kids, their kids aren't teens, right? Didn't they, at, at the beginning in the, at the wedding, when they were packing at the van, didn't, uh, Ted's dad say they're 24 and living at home? I believe like so. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So they're in their, they're, they're actually out of school and they're already in their, their twenties and they're, you know, kind of carbon copies of their dads. Um, and you know, 
given given where things go, you have to wonder that if the guys, you know, as much as they love their daughters and how like musically inclined they are and little carbon copies of them, you know, they, you have to look around and, you know, at the life that you have and go, shit, we were supposed to write the song, like not just for us, to, but for the cosmos, but also for our daughters. Like if we were if we were the band that, you know, unites the planets and all this stuff, then our daughters would be super well off. And, you know, why haven't we done this, that or the other? So. I do like there's 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 actually several lessons. There's that. There's how the how they treat the girls. Um, there's uh, how they f- uh, their own individual egos. Um, there's the idea of doing the work yourself. You know, like every every movie was a shortcut. You know, like every movie was about a shortcut. An excellent adventure. They're just like oh, shit. We got this book report coming up. That we, this presentation we got to do. And they were started by sitting in the parking lot of Circle K, you know, you know, asking people about when did the Mongols invade China and shit like that, who were walking into the store the night before the presentation was due, and are suddenly given a time machine. They're like, oh fuck it, we'll just go, we'll just go to history ourselves and and bring back people to tell the story. Because as cool as that movie was, like it's still a cheat, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a there's a part of that where like Bill and Ted, as they're getting the presentation, are clearly like expressing the things that they've learned through their journey because like you know during the presentation bill says like uh when when uh, freud is giving um ted an evaluation and 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 freud points to bill's like your turn and bill's like no i think you just gave me a minor edible complex <laughs> you know like they've clearly learned stuff throughout their journey but they've also just brought these figures back from history to to do the report for them and then and then in the uh in, in bogus journey you know they're struggling with battle of the bands and it's like well we're we're auditioning for battle of the bands and we expect to get in because we're supposed to get in but their audition is shit. <laughs> like it's, it is awful, absolutely awful. They haven't bothered to learn how to play. They're just sort of riding this high of what their destiny is supposed to be. And the only reason they get a spot at the end of Battle of the Bands is because the person organizing the event is Rufus in disguise. You know, and Rufus just so happens to know. But by the end of this whole thing, they will have learned how to play. <laughs> it's just like. You know, a lot of a lot of those films were just these the the about like the the lessons you learn while you're taking a shortcut, you know, and uh, that's kind of what happens here. It's a less the lessons they're learning while they're trying to take a shortcut. You know, shit, we got to we got to write the song that unites the universe, but we're going to just steal it from ourselves where we've already done it. Like, just fuck it. We've been doing this for 25 years. Um, But see, part of it is like you got to wonder how much how much of that 25 years were they really trying like it's one thing to sit sit here and be like oh, let's say for me i'm gonna write a book okay okay in 25 years yeah i could absolutely write a book i'm gonna write a book that changes the world well shit i'm gonna every time i start the first chapter i'm gonna rewrite it like 60 times and go oh it's not good enough and i'll never get to chapter two because i've got that shit in my head but like at the same time how long were those guys because they come back from the therapy session and ted's obviously got stuff on his mind but like bill just starts going around switch you know, like, you know, they open the garage, he's starting to flip on the amps, grab a couple of guitars. It's like, are, are you sitting down for a writing session or are you just like hoping to jam out in your garage again with your buddy? So how, how long are they actually trying? That's uh, and, and if you factor in the slacker, the slackered nature of them, then, yes, the reality is that procrastination is strong with with most people. But but 
Especially if you have, since they did achieve, you know, a good amount of success relatively, relatively young, that the reality is that they may not have been as much of a as much of a rush, or they may, or they may have thought it was just going to come naturally. They just do whatever they wanted to do, and by proxy, hey, you know, we're going to accomplish this because hey, we're meant to, as opposed to. But it became, you know, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy in reverse, though. It's like it's like it's like we know we we know we have to do this because we, they they told us they told us we have to do this and we're supposed to do this. But then you keep trying so hard and it becomes so so you're so obsessed with it that it almost makes it impossible to do it. I think the only thing I thought was funny and in in terms of like it was unintentionally funny and I just sort of laughed out loud when they said it is when they referred to the problems happening in the cosmos as upsetting the cosmic turntable. Yes. <laughs> I, I was laughing, but I was like, "Man, the only the only way I would have taken that with a straight face is, is if George Carlin himself delivered it." Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. otherwise, that was that's ridiculous. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 other than breaking it down scene by scene and be like, "Hey, what'd you think of this? What'd you think of this? What'd you think of this?" Like, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was cool. I thought it was visually awesome. I like that. Hell, I like that. Like the circuits of time when they're when they're actually in the booths going through the tubes uh, in the circuits of time, that that didn't really change much. It just got updated because in the '80s the circuits of time look like you know really really poor early CGI strings of spaghetti just sort of weaving throughout space, just this empty area. Now they just added they they did the exact same thing. They just used modern day CGI to accomplish it, so it looks a little cleaner. It looks a little cooler. Um, when they, when they get in the booth, electricity sparkles around it and stuff like that. And that looks kind of weird and stuff in the, in the early eighties, but, or in the late eighties, early nineties, but like they did the exact same effects here, uh, with, with the booth and it, they just updated it and it looks cool. It looked natural when the booth arrives at various points in time. When it arrives somewhere, it's spit out of this little hole in the sky. Same thing. They just added some little cosmic effects and made it look a little cooler. When the booth disappears, it gets sucked down into the ground, and it <laughs> they did that yet again. Uh, so, like, nothing about the mechanics of how Bill and Ted are made in terms of special effects changed in any way. The roots of it were all still there. They just took the tech that we had today and updated it and made it look a little cleaner. So, like... I like that the circuits of time didn't change. I like that they how because they gave us a new booth in terms of what Kelly arrives in to bring him to the future and that the girls take on their journey to go to go find the band. But the guys are still using the old booth. So I like that they even kept the old booth. I mean, I you know you, you know they kind of had to. There's no way you have a Bill and Ted movie and not have the booth. But um, regardless, I thought it was cool that they kept a lot of the what not only what makes Bill and Ted a Bill and Ted movie in terms of in terms of the heart of the film, but also in terms of the logistics of the film, the visual cues that make something a Bill and Ted film. The idea that partway through the film, you know, you, you've got Bill with an undershirt and an overshirt, but by the time you, you get into the meat of the movie, at some point that overshirt is off and he's got it tied around his waist. Like, that's what happened in the first film. Like, there's there's a whole lot of that. So I, I really I really enjoyed that, Cal. How like this, these small little touches kind of remind you that yeah, that's Bill, that's Ted. They're still acting exactly like they did in even the most subtle ways. This looks 
like a this this feels like a Bill and Ted film. This looks you know setting wise and prop wise and and clothing wise, this looks like uh, like just a continuation of the movies I love. That is true. It certainly, from a visual perspective, I think it does. It certainly fits in and matches well with the previous movies. So they they did a good job. They did a good job with that. There's there's no doubt about that. I think for whatever reason, I think it surprised me a little bit. I think I think Alex Winter to me was seemed more naturally back as Bill than Keanu did as Ted. I don't know what it was about Keanu. Maybe it was maybe he just didn't look. Even though you kind of used. I mean, I, not that I like this look on him, but I think, but we're we're kind of used to him having long hair because of John Wick, even though we're used to having him with the beard <laughs> when he has the right. long hair. But to me, just seeing him with the long hair and the way he was, it was weird because everybody jokes about how Keanu Re- Keanu Reeves never seems to age. But to me, he fit, he looked a lot older trying to be Ted, you know, wearing the same hair and everything else. Certainly compared to Alex Winter being uh, being Bill, I thought that some that's one of the things that struck me about it. I just there were moments when Keanu seemed like yeah he was really into it, but to, I'm not and I'm not saying he really wasn't into it, but to me it just seemed like Alex Winter made much more of a seamless transition back into his character. And maybe it's just the nature of the character because like you see he is kind of like kind of like more like this like you know the party on surfer dude more than and and Ted is more of the the deeper of the two if you will. But but so maybe maybe it's just that. But to me I I just seemed like Alex Winter was, was more of a seamless slipping back into the character than I than I thought uh for Keanu as uh, Ted. Uh, I think that's twofold. You know, uh, yeah, like so. Keanu Reeves moves differently than Ted moves. Ted has a specific like a way he walks, a way he moves that uh, Keanu was obviously just trying to recapture, and we're just not used to seeing old Keanu move like Ted. Um, and I also think it's also what you were talking about, how like Ted is the more realistic of the two, because in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know, they're talking about in, in the very opening when it's like, I'm Bill S. Preston Esquire, and I'm Ted Theodore Logan, and together we're wild stallions. Um, and they start going off, and it's like, you know, hey, uh, you know, I don't believe we'll have an excellent album until we have excellent uh, instruments, and I don't believe we'll be able to get this unless we get Eddie Van Halen on guitar and they start like arguing about that. And then at the end of the movie, they're back in the garage. They're doing the same video intro and Ted strums his chord after Bill does his intro and then just looks into the camera and cut because it's just like, you know, we did, we had a most excellent adventure through space and time, but like, you know, we're back at this moment, and it's like they start going into the same argument. It's like well, that's why we need Eddie Van Halen, and then Ed, you know Ted pauses and goes, "Dude, maybe we just need to learn how to play." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, 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 and Bill and Bill goes, "Yeah," <laughs> you know, it's just like Ted's always been the one that like has to bring them back down to earth and go like, "Yeah, it's you know, it, it, they're they're both stupid idiots and you know they both do moronic things throughout the various films." But Ted's always the one that's bringing it back down, and you have to think about this this guy who was in high school at the time with his stupid similar buddy still being the one that was like, "Maybe we just need to learn how to play. Maybe we just need to buckle down and do this." But 25 years later, being told by his wife in therapy but that I don't know that we can do this anymore. And it finally hitting him like and it's not just it's not just just then hitting him. You have to you also have to consider that in that moment where where Ted tells Bill towards the beginning of Face the Music that, you know, 
we have been banging our heads against the wall. He tells him that he went to some guy's place and he offered like, you know, $6,200 for the Les Paul. That happened before the meeting with the princesses and the couples therapy. So, so yeah, Ted felt that in that moment with his wife, but he also had been feeling it himself up until that point. So this is not just this is this is this is you, you, yeah you got the Keanu trying to recapture the movements and the feel of Ted but you also have Ted 25 years on still being the one who has some sense of realism as opposed to Bill's head in the clouds pipe dreams that he just holds on to until Ted has to bring him back down but like Ted's been Ted's been worried about this for a while and uh, now everything became even more real but the fact that he you know could lose his wife he could lose his family, he could lose A, B, C, D. So I, I, when I look at Ted and face the music and have any problems with the way he's moving around, like I just go, that's not Keanu having trouble recapturing his youth. That's that's Ted being middle aged and run down. <laughs> that's a good point. I can see that. I that that I think that's a good uh, probably probably to be perfectly honest. That's probably the the more realistic analysis or conclusion to reach. I was just, for me, again, just not having the same ties to the franchise, just looking at it just from a perform- from a p- performance perspective. But you're right, when you balance in the characters, when you balance in the difference in the nature of the two characters, that does make, make a lot of sense. So in a, so in a way, yeah, he's got the harder, he has the harder character to play compared to Alex Winter. But yet you still have to give Alex Winter credit for being able to flip the switch after all this time. <laughs> For sure. He slides right back into it. Yes, he does. 100%. All right. Anything else you want to talk about uh, Face the Music or Bill, the Bill and Ted franchise overall? So I think you did kind of touch upon this. So so, so how do you – so you're okay with the way it ended, assuming this is the last we ever see of them? I think it's the last we ever see of them um, unless, you know, we get some sort of Star Wars trilogy thing where, like, you know, the old cast is still there but in the background, but we're instead focused on the new cast of the girls and their band and – we continue the story primarily focused on them instead of the guys. The guys just kind of make an appearance in the background here and there. Um, I, that's the only way I could see it continuing. I don't see, I don't see Bill and Ted four focused on Bill and Ted. Uh, so uh, I, th- I think we're done at least in terms of of what this uh, the uh, in terms of focus. Um, I'm okay with how it ended because at the end of it, I got a great feeling. You know, it recaptured a lot of stuff. Like I said, I always talk. I always really enjoy the films or the moments that talk about the sort of power of music. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then plus, you know, you know, it's it's got this it's got this really great ending to it, and then it goes right into the credit sequence, which isn't just your normal credit sequence. It's fans around the world of Bill and Ted who have submitted videotapes to the production company of themselves like doing air guitar and stuff like that and just dancing. So, because that was, you know, I, I paid, I paid attention to Bill and Ted's production schedule and all that stuff. I want, I, I, I was paying attention. They, they asked for videos of people doing air guitar. They asked for people, uh, videos of people dancing and, and things like that. And to have that stuff submitted, whether you were in your own gear as a musician or, whatever or performer or whether you were dressed up like bill and ted and that's what you see in that credit sequence is the videos that the fans submitted from all over the world so i thought that was cool is that you know they end the film on this this really high note of you know the power of music and the fact that everything came back into balance because we all played the same song together uh as as a species across space and time and 
then it goes into people all around the world dancing and singing and just having fun. Uh, and then you throw into the, that the sort of fourth wall breaking that these are fans of the same franchise that presumably you're a fan of. You've been waiting for this movie for years, uh, for decades, and it's here. Oh, shit, it's here. And look, you're not alone in the amount of people who have been waiting and waiting and waiting for this movie. Look at all these people celebrating that that that, that it's here and that they're a part of it. So... I don't know. Uh, it, it, did it end in a satisfying way in terms of plot, in terms of what you probably imagined the song that united the universe being that Rufus talked about? Probably not. But it didn't not end the right way either. I, I can. I think that's a good way of, of wrapping it up or summing it up. I think that that cuts to the crux of the uh, of the story. I think that. So on that level, on that level, I would agree with you. Do I? Was that the ending I imagined we were going to get in this movie, even going in? No. Was it the ending? If somebody told you back when the first movie was made that this is eventually this is what this is what the resolution is going to be when they finally conclude the story, you think it's going to be this, but it's going to be that. No, I think most people would not have. I don't think most people would have uh, expected that. But 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 we you know but you still got you still get the ending and you still got to see the you still get to see the the, the destiny fulfilled just in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Uh, what's what's next? You dropped you dropped something on me today that I had no idea what I was getting into. So what are we talking about? Uh, in all honesty, I almost forgot about it too until I I. I knew it was coming this this month, and then I I remembered on the sixteenth it had dropped, but I fell asleep. But it was really late. I woke up. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to brush my teeth. Went back to bed and said, "Oh, you know, let me put let me put this on. I'm not going to pay much attention to it. I'll just rewatch it the next day." But we're going to be talking about ever, I think, in much less detail compared to uh, the Bill and Ted discussion. But we're going to talk about the the Lego Star Wars what holiday special that just dropped on Disney Plus. Stuff. All, all 47 minutes of it, which is actually fairly sizable considering. <laughs> oh yeah, I got about 27 minutes into it before I went. How much longer is this thing? Yeah, so. it's not. It's cutting, cutting to the. Well, again, this is one of those things where if you don't, spoilers are probably more important to avoid on this one because even though by the time this comes out, it's going to be out for about a week. So, but if you don't want to know, you know, as much as you spoilers for you know a lego show that's you know if you have disney plus you, you and you're gonna you're gonna watch you probably will, will have watched it already anyway but the the, the crux of the issue i mean or, or the story basically the is you know i i do like the fact they picked up on the whole ray and finn you know ray tr- finn being force sensitive which is supposedly what he wanted to tell her in the movie not that it, most people would have suspected that's what he really was many people wouldn't have suspected that's what his confession was going to be when they thought they were going to die but Ray's training Finn. He's she's having issues as well. She should because she had like two minutes of Jedi training herself. Though she does have the Jedi text, but she's kind of stumped. And it, they tie it into the Life Day celebration that holiday, which for, every, for people who remember the quote unquote classic Star Wars holiday special from I believe '78. You know when Chewbacca, when Chewie, when Chewie was supposed to be getting back home to Kashyyyk to celebrate Life Day with his family, that they revolved this special around Life Day too. And there's some something in the book. And one of the Jedi texts telling Ray about how you know what on Life Day you know basically she's gonna find out you know what you know what she need what what she needs to know or I forget how they actually phrase it because I only watched that part once I've only seen the whole thing once but essentially it's almost like uh, what was it that Star Trek episode City on the Edge of Tomorrow 
when they jump back in time or something like or or the uh yeah something like that but basically she finds a key to like a time like a time travel machine and she gets to jump back and witness key moments in different uh apprentice uh, master relationships to try to get you know the pearl of wisdom that pearls of wisdom that can help her you know train train finn so you have some you know it's humorous on some level. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't think this. I didn't think that special was overly, overly funny compared to. This. I mean, some moments were the, the Vader was Vader was surprisingly humorous. Uh, but you have you have Luke and Luke and Yoda and Dagobah. You have Obi Wan and Qui Gon. You got Obi Wan and Anakin. You have Vader and Palpatine. Um, and then of course, jump by jumping, kind of jumping through time and doing all these little excursions. She ends up screwing everything up and dragging people here and. And you have Palpatine and Kylo Ren are teaming up and all this stuff. And before everything gets set right, and of course the great all all too much that we always hear, it's like oh everything you, everything you need and everything you needed to learn you already you already have in, in you the whole time and and blah 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 blah. Um, it was I mean it was cute. Uh, I didn't think it was I didn't think it was great though. Um, I've never seen the holiday special purposefully. I've heard how awful it is. Uh, I don't intend to. Uh, yeah, yeah, hey, I've said it before. Anytime we've talked Star Wars, I don't have the connection. As much as I like Star Wars, I don't have the connection to the franchise that Mark does or Ryan does or anything else. Like, I'm not as invested in Star Wars. I've heard how bad the Christmas special is. I am not about to risk the passion that I the, the little passion I do have for Star Wars uh, with that uh, abomination. So I don't have the tie uh, to the holiday special that sort in a way that sort of this thing is. Um, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't as put off by it because I watch some of the Lego stuff anyways in terms of like the Lego DC stuff that gets put out. Um, you know, uh, Jessica has been a part of that stuff uh, relatively recently. There's been some cool, like, there's a cool Flash one, a cool Shazam one. Uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of them. Uh, Aquaman had, like, uh, the Aquaman one, I believe, actually had uh, the first appearance, uh, at least in Lego, like, Lego animation form. Uh, the Red Lanterns were a part of that, uh, things like that. So, I, I you know, I, I enjoy the the direct-to-DVD Lego animation stuff um, in some capacity already, so I'm already for, sort of familiar with their their format, uh, the way it looks compared to, like say, like the Lego movie or the Lego Batman movie. The tone that it has in terms of the more kid-friendly audience and, you know, the sort of the, the types of puns and jokes they do with the Lego setup and things like that, so... Uh, it, it was definitely enjoyable um, for what it was, but nothing nothing super special. I think the kids would enjoy it. Uh, I think um, you know. I think it's worth a watch. I think it's entertaining. The message is essentially you know it's it's about being together. It's about friends. It's about family. Uh, it's about being there for one another in the moment, and not just not just taking everything seriously, but uh you know being being friends as you learn and love along the way so i mean you know just a, a good message especially for the holiday season so um i thought it i thought it was good but nothing i probably nothing i would have sought out on my own no i mean and i can and i certainly can understand that um i'm going to i'll watch it again it might have been again it might have been my mindset i actually watched that before 
I sat down to watch Bill and Ted, so maybe because I knew I had, I was going to be inherently paying more attention to Bill and Ted that I wasn't paying as much attention to the Star the, to the Lego thing. Though I got to be honest, the stuff on the Falcon, the stuff on the Falcon wasn't wasn't nearly. That was definitely stuff that was being played more for laughs. The stuff with you know Poe and getting all the Life Day celebration and all all all, all the other Wookies trying to eat the porgs that Chewie was trying to make sure they didn't eat. <laughs> Uh, that was, you know, that was, that was kind of cute. Um, but, you know, the interesting stuff was, was, you know, the time traveling stuff with, with Ray. But again, I'm kind of raid, raid out to a certain extent. So I don't know how gung ho I was to see a Ray centric, uh, holiday special. The only, it was, it was somewhat cool to see her be able to, I mean, kind of get the, you could kind of sense legitimate, like, passion or enthusiasm from, from her witnessing most of these relationships or just being able to spy like the idea of spying on history just seeing luke you know train train with who she assumed was yoda because i guess she hadn't really dealt with master with master yoda even as a spirit at that yeah, up to that point seeing obi-wan and obi-wan and anakin together uh and just her little interaction with the different versions of Luke, I thought that was that was under different circumstance. I think that would mean more if Luke and Ray had had a better actual relationship in Last Jedi, and they had had more of a true master-student relationship. I think something like that would have resonated more, even in a Lego animated special, because she got to see Luke. Obviously, she got to see farm boy Luke before he knew any before he began any of his journey, and she got. She got to spy on Jedi training Luke, but then she got to interact directly with Return of the Jedi Luke. So she got to see, you know, basically Luke in the same position that she was in, let's say, in uh, in Rise of Skywalker and, and the equivalent places of, the, of their of their lives. So that I did like that, and but in again, but in a sense, it also reminded me of well, that's how we kind of got shortchanged on really getting a good master apprentice relationship between the two of them it's fun i mean if if you like most of the star wars lego specials i mean obviously you're not going to dislike this it's and i do like i do it is and i was a nice touch that they use the life day thing just as a throwback to the to the original holiday special uh, as bad as the original holiday special was this also that also still had the one read quote-unquote redeeming quality of the first appearance of Boba Fett. <laughs> Not that I like Boba Fett, but as far as Star Wars lore goes, that had the introduction of Boba Fett, who everybody knew was coming in Empire Strikes Back and was going to be a new villain and, and of course, a legendary mail-away figure and all that stuff. But his first actual appearance was in the animated little animated short they had on the, the uh, holiday special. So, there, there, so there, there's nothing that memorable about this one, <laughs> for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's. I, I didn't really have anything else to add uh, add to it. But uh, did uh, unless you did, did you? Do we want to talk about the news that came out just a few hours ago? Wonder Woman. Oh, the Wonder Woman thing. Okay. Oh yes, yeah, so Wonder Woman is going to be released simultaneously. Well, at the doing doing the same thing they kind of did with Bill and Ted, and they kind of did with other movies this year that they're going to be releasing it in the theaters. Still, what on Christmas, right? Or Chris, Christmas Day? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be on yep. HBO Max, which of course does me no good. Because I have nothing I can stream HBO Max on currently, um, unless I really, I guess I'm one. If I wanted to do it on a computer, I guess I technically could, I could, I could probably, um, I might be able to do that. But yeah, so that is kind of big news. I guess it's, I guess the, the pressure of 
this the the COVID uh, damage and the way it's affecting the box office kind of get, kind of getting to the getting to the breaking point for some of these movies. Of course, there there is a rumor going around that uh, Black Widow is also going to be announced soon, probably by somewhere. Somewhere like around December 10th. Not, that's not when it would be available. But that's supposedly when the announcement might be that it will be coming onto Disney+. Plus. That I think the way some most of the theaters certainly domestically remain shut down and now we're entering clearly into a, the second wave of COVID, that there's no reason to believe that movie theaters are going to be getting back to normal anytime soon, even in early 2021, which means movies are going to continue to be pushed back. So maybe, considering how many times Wonder Woman has been pushed back already, that they may have thought, okay, now it's an it is an interest it is an interesting it is an interesting choice. They probably did it again because here's their here's their big reason to get people to sign up for HBO Max who don't have it already. Of course, this would be a lot easier said than done if they would get their heads out of the you know what and make it available for Fire Stick and Roku. Uh, which is still amazing. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Invest, I'm not interested in purchasing HBO Max until either a. I can pay for. I can afford to pay for like a year or two subscription in advance, or until the Green Lantern stuff starts coming out. I mean, see the thing because I'm definitely not. I'm not doing a month to the month. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll. If I'm paying for it, I'm paying for like a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm gonna see. Again, it's easy for me for in a way for, for Wonder Woman because again, I, I was. I'm interested in it, but it's not life or death that I go see it that i would see it under any circumstances i mean my theater actually was my regal theater was actually open again for like a few weeks and they just closed it down last week last thursday so it's so the there's no reason to believe they're going to be they're going to reopen these theaters anytime soon so that's going to leave out the going probably going the going to the theater option for me and i can't and hbo max isn't isn't viable for me because i you can't get it's not a channel, so you can't get it on your TV, and it's not available on and it's not available on, on my my fire on my Kindle Fires. It's not available on my smart TV for me because my smart TV isn't that new new enough. And again, it's it's not available for Roku or Fire Stick, and I have the Fire. Stick. So when the time comes, because I actually still have an HBO subscription through cable. I would still technically be entitled to get HBO Max free. So I absolutely would would do that. Or I'd be willing to just pay for HBO Max and get rid of HBO because I think you get everything on HBO Max. Everything on HBO is available on HBO Max. It's just not the opposite. But I, right now, I don't have that option. So I'm kind of up the creek. So I, it's still mind-boggling that that platform rolled out like for about, like half a year now and they still haven't resolved the Roku Fire Stick thing, which is crazy. Uh, but at the moment... Yeah, it, it's int- it's interesting news. It'll make a lot of people happy who can who you know who have Apple devices, especially who can who are streaming HBO Max. The reality is, I guess Warner Brothers must have hit the wall on this, and it's like they figured that they just can't keep pushing this off any more and more and more. And they figured, oh, this will be a good excuse to try to just to try to drum up business for uh, HBO Max. That those seem to be the only real op, the reasons why they would do that now, and they'll try to get some bit, you know, they'll try to get some business probably overseas too, who, or places where Disney, well, excuse me, maybe HBO Max isn't available yet. If it, if it's similar to the way uh, Disney Plus is not available everywhere yet, but it, yeah, that that is that is something that uh that is true. That is something that did drop drop this evening and. There are a few different things that dropped this evening, not necessarily related to the show or topics we talk about, but that just happened to be that's that happened to be one, yes. So yeah. 
All right. I think that's it. Then. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so for anyone who wants to contact us, lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So whichever platform or platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag Geocast will track us down on those. Last but not least, if you'd like to text or leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bogus.